Hey everybody, welcome to Southside Church today. My name's Jeff Williams, I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, just being able to hang out with you today, talk to you a little bit about foundations. And a foundation is, um, it's a principle, it's an underlying basis or principle for living life. It's the base upon which something stands. The series that we're concluding today is built around some foundational statements that we have as a church that we like to push down within our community that I believe helps us live out who God has, has called us to be. We like to say this is outside. We exist to build real followers of Jesus Christ, authentic, true genuine. We want to be as true to the original as we can be. So I want to be an authentic follower of Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, he said, you got to, you got to deny yourself. You got to pick up your cross daily and then you come and follow me. And so that's what we want to help people do. We want to help you do that and experience a life with Jesus Christ. I believe that happens when you know God, when you find community in local biblical settings. That helps you grow deeper in your faith, which then allows you to become a disciple of Jesus. And that helps us make it real easy to go to heaven from right here in Northeast Georgia. And so when you watch online, when you hang out with us here, well, it's just a, it's an open door. It's a doorway to see a little bit about who we are, what you can expect to experience when you come, and it's just good teaching. I hope, I hope that that's what you would find. And uh, we, I mean, I think these things are critical to us and who we are. We're biblically based. We want to be family focused, and we want you to be personally known. I think that's what's so key to the local church today. And I think it's something that's missing in a lot of places. Listen, I know a lot of places that are biblically based. I know a lot of people that are fam places that are family focused. But are you, are you in a place where you can be personally known? And here at Southside, we want you to be personally known. And so that is critical. That's very, very important. And so some of the things that we have been talking about, they are, they are foundational statements that we believe in. Number one, God is worthy of our best. Number two, I believe that the gospel is our foundation. Three, people are our business. Four, laughter is our medicine. And today, Finally, the community is our focus. The, 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 the Bible says in Psalm 11, verse 3, the psalmist wrote, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Foundations are important. They are essential to building something that is sturdy, something that lasts. You're not going to build a house on an unstable foundation, so why would you build a life? And simply put, you just can't do whatever you want to do. You can't just go with the flow and do whatever everybody else says to do. There's just too many things that are out there. And I know that there are naysayers to Christianity and to the Bible that would like to say things like, why, why, why is there only one way to get to God? There ought to be many ways to get to God, to make it inclusive for everybody. Well, I look at it differently. Number one, I look at it this way because God said it differently. And if God said it, then I believe we should live by it. One of the things that you're going to get is that you're going to get us the Bible. We're going to teach the Bible. We're going to get a lot of Bible today, okay? And, and, and we're going to press that down and encourage you to press that down, not just in your life, but in those around you, your family, and, and in hopes that you would give us a shot to know you personally and help you strengthen your faith and become a real follower of Jesus. 
And so, so when we do that and we see that God says certain things, I believe we should listen to them and live by them. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't leave any, uh, any, any room for any other way. He didn't say, I am a way, a truth, a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. You want to go to heaven? You want to go to the Father? You got to go through me. But you see, some people would look at that and say, see, God is, is, is excluding all these people. See, I think God's just making it clear. I think God is giving us a clear path, eliminating all confusion, eliminating all other things that could try to get in the way and steer us in different paths. And God said, I love you so much that I'm going to give you one way to get to me. I'm going to remove the confusion and the chaos, and I'm going to show you exactly how you can get to me. It is through my son, Jesus. That is the way you get to me. And I love you so much that I gave him to you. He gave his life for you so that you could have life in me. And he did that for who? For all of mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that if you would believe in him, you wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And so God is exclusive in the fact that there is only one way to get to him. But he's also inclusive in that he provided that way for everybody. See, everybody's forgiven. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of mankind. It's just some people accept it and other people reject it. And so I want you to be one of those that accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. And so when we talk about foundations, God is worthy of our best. Paul said in Colossians 3, he said, whatever you do, whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, do it enthusiastically, wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. God is worthy of our best. The gospel is our foundation. He also wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2, he said, we loved you so much, we didn't just give you God's good news, we gave you our own life as well because you had become so dear to us. I believe people are our business. And I believe we ought to give our life for people, not just, not just the good news, but also our life. Laughter is our medicine. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Why? Because he said, let your graciousness be known to everyone. God is near. And finally today, the community is our focus. God placed us in this community for a reason. Why? Because Jesus said we are a light. We're a light on a hill. He said, so let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works, but glorify your Father in heaven. I believe a message we can communicate to our community is that we are better together. And God placed us in this place to be able to serve and minister to those that have need. And so a lot of our teaching, a lot of the things that I want to say and communicate in a church setting, and I'll communicate to you, is, is, is leading to this question, why are you here? Another question is, what are you here to do? What did God place you on this earth to do? How can you find it, and how can you fulfill it? Because I believe that if you are breathing, which I think that would make sure everybody this here is breathing, all right? So, so if you're breathing, you're watching, you're connecting, then, then I believe God has a purpose for your life. And I believe that purpose is God-ordained, and God wants to define it so that you can receive true, true joy, find true satisfaction, and so that the name of Christ can be extended throughout, throughout this area, throughout your area. And so if the community is our focus, how do we make an impact within the community? Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to look today. And the book of Romans is another book that Paul wrote. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament under the direction of the Holy Spirit. But Romans 12 is a shift. 
because the first 11 chapters, Paul has given us information, and now Paul is really making a turn to give us application, to show us how to apply the teachings and the things that he has given us. And so this is the shift that we see from Romans 11 to Romans 12. This is what Paul says. He says, therefore, brothers, sisters, he says, by the mercies of God, I urge you. I urge you to present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Another version says this is your reasonable act of worship. So Paul is saying here's an application for you. I want you, by God's mercy, because he's rich in mercy in your life, I want you to present yourself, your life, your body to God as a living sacrifice. Okay? Nobody's going to kill you. Nobody's going to take your life. It's a living sacrifice. That is holy and pleasing to God. A lot of people ask me questions like this. How can I be pleasing to God? How can I make God happy? How can I know that God loves me and God is pleased with me? This is what Paul said to do. Offer your body to God. Present your body to God as a living sacrifice. Say, God, I'm here to serve. I'm here to invest. I'm here to help. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you got to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and then come and follow me. And so that's what Paul says. And then he goes on to say this, do not be conformed to the pattern of this age. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Because the world wants to conform you. The devil wants to conform you. The world, the, the sinful nature that we have wants to conform us into an image that is unholy. Okay? But God, God wants to transform us. He said, not, not confirmation, transformation. He said, this is a transformation that happens from the inside out. When I was a kid growing up in the late 70s and early 80s, transformers came out. Wow, robots in disguise. I love the cartoon, I love the toys, and I had them. And when the new movies started coming out, I was like a kid in a candy store. I relive, I'm reliving my childhood. I'm like, yes, thank you, Jesus. I'm loving me some transformers. But I thought it was so cool because they would take ordinary things, vehicles, fighter jets, all kinds of different things, airplanes, whatever it may be, and you could transform them into this powerful fighting robot. I just love that. I thought that was so cool as a kid. But when I read the Bible, I kind of see the same thing. I see this, 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 this body this structure, this thing that God has made. And there's, there's not much to me. I'm about five foot five, and, uh, and there's not a lot of this to go around. I mean, it's just it. It's what you see. Not much of me, okay? And, and, and so I, I, I take that, and I go, okay, well, God, what can you do with this? Because I don't, I don't see that there's a lot here. And when I look at it in light of a lot of things that the world may say or the enemy may want in the sinful nature, I live with insecurity and doubt and fear and all kinds of things, bondage and chains. But God changes all of that. The Lord Jesus, the Bible says when he comes into you, you become a new creation. He said the old person is gone and everything is made new and it starts a work on the inside that comes out into the outside. It transforms us. And makes us brand new. So Paul said, don't be conformed to the pattern of this age. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So then you may be able to discern, to know, what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. 
So, so, so what is God's will for my life? How do I know that? You've got to stop allowing the world to conform you. You've got to let the word of God transform you. And it starts in your heart and mind. Then you can discern what is that good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Why? Because I believe God is not satisfied with informing us about the work of his kingdom. No. God wants to transform us to participate in the work of his kingdom. God, 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 did, God just, he doesn't just want to give you information. I mean, I can stand here today. I can read the Bible to you. I can give you information. The Bible says this, and here's a cool story, or, or here's a teaching, and this is what it means, and all these things, and I try to do that. But a lot of times we can err on the side of information. And, and, and I don't want to just give you information. I want to give you application that's built around inspiration. That, that helps you see not just your need, but also God's calling for your life. The benefit of what it means to be a follower of God. And, and so when we talk about a foundational principle, the community is our focus. If you sit with us on a Sunday morning, I'm going to be very, very practical in the aspect of this is what we're doing for our community where we do backpack kids, where we feed uh, hundreds of kids in elementary schools around our area, where we pack bags as a church, and then on Wednesdays we take them to the school and they distribute them to kids who have need, kids that aren't going to eat. Their last meal for the weekend is Friday at lunch. Their next meal is Monday when they go back for breakfast. You know, how do we help them during the school year? And we try to do that through backpack kids. Maybe just a community initiative. That's just one of many. But how do we do that? How do we help let the community know that not just who we are and where we are, but how do they know that God loves them and God is here for them? We do that by letting the community be our focus. And so whether you're close by or you're far away, there's, there's, there's a point in my life, in my journey with Jesus, where I find a need for community. And, and when I find community it, within the local church setting, that drives community outside. And so how, how do I get there? How do I get to that place? Well, I believe it begins in your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Where are you? What kind of relationship do you have with Jesus? A lot of people don't understand his word because they don't read his word. And when they read his word, they don't, maybe they just come to church or they just get it every so often. Listen, I believe growth is found in consistency. And when, you, when you're consistent in your Bible reading, you're consistent in your prayer time, you're consistent in your, in your, 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 your local church setting, I, I believe consistency is what brings growth in our life. And when we're consistent in those things, it gives God's avenues to work within us. And so I want God to work. If I want him to renew my mind, then I've got to get less of, of social media scrolling in my life and get more of his book inside of me. Why? Because the world has a pattern. It has a pattern that it wants you to follow just like God does. And that pattern says to do life like this, think like this, live like this, talk like this, behave like this. It's, it's, it's indoctrination at its finest. And I, I guess you could kind of say the Bible is the same. God is indoctrinating us with his word and his truth. Which one, it comes down to the point, which one do you want to win? Which one do you want in your life? I'll tell you the one that wins is the one you feed the most. If you feed the devil, the world, and the sinful nature more than you feed the spirit of God in your life, it's going to win. 
But if I feed the godly nature, the Holy Spirit of God inside of me, if I constantly am going to His Word for truth and for help in life, and I'm seeking God's counsel and direction in my life, if I do that more than I do the world, God's going to win. He's going to win every time. And He's going to win over the things in my life. And so just thinking about this passage and God not being satisfied with just informing us about the work of His kingdom, but transforming us to participate in the work of his kingdom. I have to understand there's a different way. The devil, the world, and the sinful nature communicates how to live life in a certain way. Okay? It communicates how I respond to people that don't respond in kind to me. How I, how I treat others, how I deal with this, how I, how I understand that. And, and it gives me a framework on how I'm to respond. And they build it around things that sound really good. You go do what feels good to you. You go live out your truth. Hey, who are they to tell you you can't live this way, be this way, do this or do that? Okay? And it may sound good on the surface, but it, but it doesn't work in life. As a matter of fact, if you compare the two, the world's way versus God's way, I'll tell you which way works. You gotta, when you pick God's way, you have to understand something. It works in reverse. Life, life can go this way, and you can pursue the world's way. You can pursue a way that is without God. But true life, real life, works in the opposite direction. And when you find it in a relationship with God, you realize that real life works in reverse. And so today, there are some things that we see in Romans 12 that, that, that Paul is writing and he says, hey, don't, don't do this. Instead, do this. Put it in reverse and do that. That's, that's what the disciples would say. They would talk about repentance. Repentance simply means this. To repent means to stop going this way, put it in reverse, turn around and go this way. To repent is to turn from going one direction and make a 180-degree turn to go in the opposite direction. When it comes to living life the way God intended you to live it, you have to understand it works in reverse. Romans chapter 12, we'll begin in verse number 9. This is what Paul said. Several different things today. Let, he says, love must be without hypocrisy. Love must be without hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy here means, it, it, it basically means living life with a mask on. It's, it's, it's relation, the relationship with it defines an actor with a mask. Someone that is playing a role that is not their true person and they're wearing a mask. And so Paul is talking about Christian living and he said the very first thing, the very first thing he gives us in this setting, he says, let love be without hypocrisy. What is he saying? He's saying this, love people and be real, even when it hurts. I have a mentor in my life that challenged me with this, with a, a team of people that he works with. He said he, said he made a promise to his employees one time that, that, that were working for him. He said, I will promise you this, I will never say anything away from you that I won't say to you. It's a powerful statement. It's a powerful statement when we say let love be without. And he doesn't say let love be without. He says love must be without hypocrisy. Here he says, love people. 
love people and be real, even when it hurts. There's a worldly way that you can live life where you can love the people that love you back and and the ones that don't, you can just put on a smiling face and be friendly for a while, but you're going to put them down behind their back or you're going to do this or you're going to do that, and it's not real. Paul said it works in reverse. He said, love people and be real, even when it hurts. Say this, be the kind of community where it's safe for people to take off their mask. It's one of the things I'll communicate here in a church setting. I'll say, listen, we do. You, you are ne- we we want to build real followers of Jesus. You are never more real than when you were at home. So I like to say, welcome home. Home is here. You want a great place to be? Come be a part of it. And when you do, take off your mask. Because we want, we want, we want the love to be real and sincere. So love people and be real, even when it hurts. And so be the kind of community where it's safe for people to come in and tell you how they really are, how they really feel. And when they say it, you can say back, oh, yeah, is that all you got? Well, let me tell you about me. It's a great way to be the kind of community where people can take off their mask, where it's safe. They can say what they say, and you're going to love them anyway. Because we want to help meet people where they are to get them to where God wants them to be. Number two, detest evil. And cling to what is good. You want something that, 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 that I believe is needed in our world today? We need an understanding of what is right and wrong. We need to understand what is good and what is evil. And the only place that I know to go find that is in the Bible. What God says is good. What God says is evil. God, how do you want me to live life? The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians. It says, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Spirit of God. Don't despise prophecies. He says, but test all things. He says, hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. And so, so detest evil, he writes, and cling to what is good. What's he saying here? He's saying run from evil. Get away from it. Run as far and as fast and as hard as you can from evil. And every, all the while holding on to what is good. Where do I go to find what is good? I go to the source that I can learn what is true. For all people at all places in all times. And that's found in the Bible. And God wants us to do this. But the, the Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2, he said, run from immorality. He said, run from temptation. Get away from it. As far, as hard, and as fast as you can, get away from evil. And while you're doing it, hold on. Clutch it. Hold tightly to what is good. Hold on to what is good. Why? Because our hatred of evil should come first from clinging to what is good. It's, it, it works in reverse. I want my love to be without hypocrisy. I want to shun and turn away from evil while I hold on and clutch to what is good. Number three. He says, show family affection to one another with brotherly love. With a with a with a, a brotherly love, a I see you kind of love, a I'm here to help you kind of love, a love that says, "What do you need and how can I serve you?" He says, "Show family affection, the kind of affection you would show when you're in your house. You're never more real than when you go home." So we say here, "Welcome home." We want you to take off your mask. We want you to be real. We want to extend family affection to you. 
And we want to do it with brotherly love. We want to outdo one another in showing honor. A lot, a lot of times people don't live life like this. We push people away. We keep them at an arm's distance. We want them to serve us rather than us serving them. It works in reverse. What's he saying? He says, love each other like family and practice being second. Take second chair. Take second place. Love people like family. We try to get that sometimes in the South. Love like family and then practice being second. I see you. I want what's best for you. I am here to help you and serve you so that you can experience something that will help you. It's just, it's just basic principles for living life, very applicable. Listen to this. Our job is to meet people where they are so that we can help them get to where God wants them to be. Next on the list. Paul says, do not lack diligence. He says, instead, be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. See, a lot of times today in the church world and in Christianity, I think we see a lack of diligence a lack of perseverance, a lack of endurance. If it doesn't go my way, the world says, then go find another way. Find something else. Find something that appeals to you. Paul said, no, 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 not that. Don't lack in diligence, man. Don't lack in perseverance and endurance. Be red hot. Let the Spirit of God be red hot in you and go serve the Lord. We live in a culture today. We live in a church today where if things don't go the way you want them to, people leave. They go to another one. It like spoiled brats. It like spoiled babies. It didn't go my way. I didn't get it this way. I'm going to go somewhere else. It'll cater to me and cater to my needs. Hey, guess what, friend? It's not about you. It's not about me. And, and I get that the more I walk with Jesus and the closer I am to him. But, 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 but we forget that. And it's okay. If I'm not a follower of Jesus and it's about me, then, and, and we get them into this place, I want to introduce them to Jesus so that they can realize that he paid the ultimate price for them, so that they can have life in him. And when they come to that understanding of that realization, boom, it's a whole new world. So don't give up. Keep your faith red hot. Serve God. Have you given up? Is your faith cold? Is it lukewarm? Or is it red hot? How, how do I get a faith that is red hot? Well, I've got to be diligent in pursuing God through His Word, through prayer, through the church, through godly counsel in my life. I do that when I serve Him. I want to serve God. Find a place where I can connect and grow my faith and connect with other people that are pursuing the same thing. Listen, serving leads to growth and passion in your, li in your life and your faith. Just like growth and passion in your faith lead to serving. They go hand in hand. These things, the world may say to do this, God says to do this. Why? Because it works in reverse. And so serving leads to growth and passion in my faith. Just like growth and passion in my faith lead to serving God. The next thing he says is this, rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. What's he saying? He says, be cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray harder. 
He said, be cheerfully expectant. I want to be joyfully expectant that God is going to work and move in my life because he loves me, he cares for me, he's called me, and he's going to see me through. I want to be expectant in that, and I want to be joyful in it. I don't want to quit in hard times. I'm just going to pray harder. Listen, cultivating zeal is about consistency and proximity to the Lord. You want to be passionate in your relationship with God? You get Your passion grows. Your faith grows. Your love for God grows when you are more consistent in your proximity to God. Consistency and proximity. I want to be close to Him, and I want to be consistent in that. And it gives God room to work and move in my life. Paul says this. He says, share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. You can say, I'm needy. I'm needy. I got needs. I got needs. Hey, somebody help me. Well, cool. Come and be a part of the church. Come be a part of the church and practice the principle of giving your time, your talent, and your treasure. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue, practice hospitality. What's he saying? He says, be ready to help others in their need. Be inventive in your hospitality. Be inventive in your hospitality. Helping people that have something that you can offer. This is the kind of community that I want to be a part of. This is the kind of community people are longing for. This is the kind of community that God calls us to be. A community of people that are pursuing, practicing, longing for hospitality. We're giving it all the time. We're seeing and focusing on the needs of others. And in turn, God is fulfilling something in each one of us. You see, it works in reverse. Paul said, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Ouch. It's so hard to do. It's so hard to do. And he says, bless those who persecute you when they come against you. He said, he said, don't lash out. Don't, be, don't take revenge. He actually says a lot more about that later on. He says, no, don't do that. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse them. What's he saying? Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. No, he says, bless your enemies. Don't curse them under your breath. When you are struggling with forgiveness and faith, go to the cross. When you're struggling, when you are struggling with forgiveness for someone, when you're struggling with faith, what would you do? I'd go to the cross. Go to the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus forgave you and me. The very ones who had him crucified and put on that cross are standing before him, mocking him, laughing at him, making fun of him. And Jesus looks up to his father and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If the Savior of the world can do that hanging on a cross, you and I can do that living life. He said, if you're struggling with forgiveness and faith, go to the cross. And finally is this. I think this is so practical and so so much of what the church should be. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. It's a powerful principle to practice as the church. You know, you, you may not be rejoicing today. You may be weeping. That's why I need the church to come alongside of me and weep with me. 
I may be struggling today, but I go to church and I find other people that are rejoicing and God may want me to rejoice with them so that I think less about where I'm at and I can celebrate where God has done, what God is doing in their life. And maybe that can make me cheerfully expectant that God is going to do the same for me. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. In other words, laugh with those who are happy. Cry with them when they're down. Meet them where they are. See, our love should consist, or our love should not consist of mere words. Our love must be matched with action. Today, today, this kind of biblical community may be rare and hard to find, but when you make efforts to cultivate it, it's life-changing. And so the prayer that I would have for you today the call to action that I would give you today is to stop running from the life that God has called you to live. Put it in reverse. Make a turn. Come back to God. Find life, forgiveness, healing, purpose, and joy, peace in Him. Why should I do that today? It's simple. Because it works in reverse. Listen, thank you for being a part of this time with us. There's a day that's coming, God willing, where we'll be able to live stream our services, be able to offer a whole different platform to you. That's one of the things that we're currently doing. We're raising funds for that. We're trying to make it possible for people that want to experience Southside in a live setting to make that possible for them. We'd love to invite you to help us with that. Maybe you'd like to partner with us in that. Maybe God uses this in a way to help you in your life, and you'd like to see it in a live setting. Well, let us do that. Help us do that. I believe you can't outgive God. And so maybe you'd say, hey, I'll be a part of that. I'll reach out because I want to experience more of what God is doing in and through Southside, even in my home. And so there's a link below that you can follow you can, you, can, you can follow that link. You can make giving a priority to this mission, to this vision, to this passion. Maybe we can see God do something really extraordinary through it. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you're in a place where you're like, man, help me. Let us help you. Let us know how we can help you, serve you, walk with you, to get you to a place that God has called you to live. Stop running from it. Say yes to the life that God has called you to live. If that's you, pray with me today. Say, Father God, I need you. I want you. I'm tired of running away from you. And I want to experience you and your fullness in my life. So, so Jesus, please forgive me for my sin by your grace. Make me right with you. Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life. Because I'm here. I'm ready. I'm ready to walk with you. I'm ready to experience you. I'm ready to say yes to you today. Amen. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. May God bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he bless you with peace in Jesus' name. Amen.